Welcome everyone to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 110. Uh, we're back from our brief hiatus last week, and this is Altai, joined by... Omer. Yep, and now we were we were away last week, unfortunately. I was uh, out of the country once again, but I am back, and better than ever. Excellent. And, and we will start with the weekly raid. Actually, before we get there, let's, I, I want to mention, I was actually away as well, just for the weekend. I did the Friday Grindfest anyway. But I went to visit my friend Shu and her boyfriend in California, so we all hung up. We hung out together. That's where I was over the weekend. I was kind of disappearing from uh, the MOs.com Discord chat. By the tweet, some fun pictures from over there of her place and some of the cute stuff she has. Yeah, but, uh, you, you guys did airsoft, right? With, with, yep. with pew pew guns. We, we went cool. pew pew airsofting first time for me. It was kind of fun, but mostly you know you go there to hang out with your friends. So we, we were there. You know, we watched some movies, played some games. But the most interesting thing I found at her house, which I could not, I, I didn't tweet. I probably should. But I didn't tweet it because it's NSFW and I can't share it over here. But Shu has a has a waifu pillow, like an actual hentai waifu pillow of uh, of the Sword Art Online character uh, Leafree, whatever her name is, the the green busty chick, which I thought was pretty cool. I took a picture with it. Maybe I'll tweet that one out. It was me kissing the the waifu pillow. Riveting. Yeah, that was that was my weekend. Riveting. I was in Vancouver. I just drank beer. Uh, I got a haircut, and that and that yeah. So. There it is. FIFA. There we go. And yeah, with that, we'll jump to the weekly raid. All right, to the weekly raid. Mm-hmm. A fun one this time. So, uh, I'm going to write an article about the uh, Strike of Kings recently. See, this game is very popular, as we've mentioned many times on the podcast here. It is a mobile MOBA by Tencent. It looks a lot like League of Legends, and it's super-duper popular. It's more popular than League of Legends right now. And it's actually causing a lot of people in uh, China to get addicted. There's some stories of uh, seven tiers one. Here's a funny one. 17-year-old uh, from Guangdong province suffered a stroke after spending 40 consecutive hours playing this mobile game. And a 13-year-old jumped off a building after being lectured by his father for spending too much time playing on his phone. So the Chinese... What's the, weekly, what's the actual weekly raid? Oh, my bad. The weekly raid. Should governments restrict game time? And, uh, and the reason I mentioned the East Circuit Kings is because the Communist Party wasn't happy with uh, Tencent. So Tencent cowered in fear and they imposed restrictions. If you're under 13, you can only play for one hour a day. If you're under 17, you can play two hours a day. And that's just one specific game, so you can still play other games after your one or two hours is gone. But I thought this was a really, really restrictive uh, uh, block here. I mean, we've had stuff in Korea like, you know, uh, you can't play more than like eight hours or something, right? But this is the first time I've seen such a low uh, a bar. Actually, that, I, I want to mention something quick before we get too much into the details of the regulation behind it. But when you read a story like that, where this guy spends 40 hours playing nonstop and has a stroke, and, uh, and, and some kid jumps off a building because he can't play anymore, for me, that's like a holy shit. I got to go play this game now. It, it, this actually makes me want to play the game more. Really? Am I a bad person? Or just like, I can't be the only one that thinks that. Like, yes, it's so addictive that these guys are like fucking playing until they drop, literally. That's like, put down the back of the box. Like, if I saw in the back of the box that some guy died playing this game, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I want to play this game. Am I the only one that thinks that, thinks that or no? I mean, that's a dangerous way to think, because it's like saying, oh, like, take this drug, because, you know, it's so good that, like, people will, like, die. But that's literally a mind-altering substance. This is a form of entertainment that we've grown up and played so many times, you know? Like, the concept of addiction or playing something too much is, like, not a new concept. So you know, kind of going into it, that this is not going to be as dangerous as, like, shooting up heroin for the first time. 
Well, I mean, I don't know, man. Jump off a build, a, a game that makes you jump off a building, you know, get a, a play for 40 hours so you get a stroke. It seems pretty, uh, it seems pretty, pretty intense to me. And uh, apparently Tencent agreed. Remember, uh, the Chinese government only kind of scolded Tencent. They didn't tell them what to do. So it was Tencent's own decision to, rest, uh, to do the restriction that they did, you know, uh, the one and two mm-hmm. hour. Uh, so here's a, here's a big broad uh, question here with the weekly raid guys. I want to know what you guys think. Should governments restrict game time for a for minors, right? And then b in general, should the government take a closer look at uh, video gaming, the same way they do perhaps with um, like with drugs or something? Okay, I'm I'm gonna jump in and say obviously no. When you read stories like this, it's a problem. Obviously, if your kid is playing 40 hours, like what are you doing as a parent? To allow your kid to play 40 hours, do you not? Does he not have school? Does he not have to go to sleep? Like, do you not interact with your child on a day-to-day basis, or like once every like two days at least see him like do something else? Like, this is a parenting job, obviously. Like, this is absurd that the, the company has to now like restrict everyone else's playtime because of some you know ridiculous, stupid-ass parents. Like, there are people, there are kids out there, right, that do mm-hmm. all their schoolwork, that that get straight A's. And they want to relax and veg out and play some goddamn Strike of Kings or any MMORPG or any game they want to play. Maybe like four or five hours at a time because one hour a day if you're under 13, it's insane. I looked, uh, I put a picture on on, uh, on podcast chat as well as Twitch chat where it's the Boromir meme, you know. He goes, one does not simply play video games for 30 minutes. No, you, you do not. Nobody sits down and goes, I'm going to play video games for 30 minutes. It's, it's, it's a more of a commitment. It's like saying you open a box of Oreos and eat one Oreo. It, it, it's never been done. Nobody to this day has opened... A box of Oreos and eating one Oreo, or even like a bag of chips and eating one chip. It doesn't happen. You know, video games are meant to be indulged upon, like in at least like a couple hours sitting, especially when you're talking like uh, competitive games or MMORPGs. You can't play an MMORPG for 10 minutes at a time. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, but uh, now to take the other side here, you say, well, it's the parents' fault, right? Parent, parents yeah. be parents. That doesn't work. One, these parents are probably very busy. In China, you know, they don't have the same luxury as here. They, 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 you know, the kid, the, the parents are you know making iPhones twelve hours a day for fifty cents an hour. You know yeah. they don't have they don't have time to drop the kid off at daycare. You know it's drop him off on his, in his house, in his room and hope for the best, right? I mean, what do you expect these kids, you know, parents to do? They they got to make money. And two, Omar, you and I, when we were being raised, our father would literally lock the room to where the computer was, right? He'd take yeah. the key with him to work because he has to go to work, and then we would we would pick the lock to get in, and we would know that he would beat us like like physically hit us. When he got back, because we broke, yeah. you know. So if if that doesn't work, if literally locking the room and you know beating the kid doesn't work to get him to stop playing games, what like, what what more can the parent do? I don't understand. Like the addiction is so strong that you know if you're willing to take a beating from a grown man as a twelve, we were willing to take the beating. Yes. Yeah. But look, ultimately it was our father's responsibility, and well, he generally handled pretty well. So right? should he beat us harder? How does he get us yeah. to stop? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> okay, the, when the belt's not enough, you gotta bring something. You gotta bring the heavy tools. <laughs> okay, so that is a real story. We would actually get locked out of the PC room, and we were actually very addicted. I mean, I, mean, I don't know, you know if we use that term properly, but we would play on the PC until we get peeled off. And we would get peeled off though, because we, we literally could not play forty hours a day. Because at a certain point, like when my father got home from work, he would peel us away from the computer and make us go to sleep. Like he would close the door to our room, and then like, we can't. Like, we could sneak in when he's at work, right? And when we shouldn't be playing, but if he's home already. And he, you know, puts us in our room. At that point, we we went to sleep. You know, like we could still sneak in more hours a day than we should, and we were obviously very much addicted. But ultimately, it is the parent's responsibility because the people that this happens to, right? The people that have the stroke, the people that jump off the buildings for game addiction, the people that die in South Korea. This this adult 
couple, male and uh, male and female, they neglected their child and it died while they were playing some obscure you know, Korean RPG. It, it happens, you know. Like this is this is the exception, not the not the rule. You can't build laws around exceptions. You can't build societies around these one-time nut job crazy situations. That's okay. why I think you can't, you know, fix I'm this gl- with regulation. I'm glad you mentioned that because while I was writing this weekly raid, my my intention was to focus specifically on 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 minors, right? Minors having this kind of issue. Yeah. But then I remembered uh, articles I read in like the mainstream uh, news outlets about gaming. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow the you know the IRL news out there, but there was a recent uh, economist from the University of Chicago who did a, um, a study. Uh, economic paper on how video games are affecting the you know labor market for you know the, the economy mm-hmm. his basic takeaway was a lot a lot a lot of I mean millions of american young adult men specifically are not working so they go to school and once they finish high school or college or whatever they don't work they don't go, they don't they don't you know get a job they don't leave the house they just say they stay home uh you know live off their parents and they just play video games all day like 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 eight hours a day and and there are millions of people in this situation now in this country and in the world actually in japan as well so it, it does affect the real world does affect the economy and who knows what's going to happen if you know tens of millions of people decide that instead of you know grinding irl for a job you know they can just grind in world of warcraft but do you think the restrictions for example that tencent put in place right mm-hmm. if you're if you're under 13 you play an hour under seven eight under 18 you play two hours right i mean these are all based on like self-reported data when you sign up for an account you have to say how old you are right no it's uh, like the no, 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 no. Uh, in many countries, uh, you, the account you register with is based on like your national ID number, so they know how yeah, old but you everyone are. Everyone knows that. We, we've made QQ accounts. We sell QQ accounts on Emos.com that you can use today to play this game that was has restrictions on it. And we, you, we there's a website. You just click a button, it just generates uh, these ID numbers, and you put whatever dates you want, and you can use them. People are going to circumvent this. It's do you like think the? Do you think a 13 year old's going to circumvent that? Do you think a thirteen year old? Maybe, but hold on. Do you think a thirteen year old when he arrives on a porn site and it says, "Are you eighteen? Yes or no?" He's like, "Oh no, I'm not eighteen. He clicks on it. He doesn't get his porn. Well, it's not the so same. He goes, he goes back and he clicks. He's eighteen. Boom. He gets the good shit. He's in. That's okay. Yeah, that's true. But again, the restrict the the barrier is not just one click with buying a spoofed account. You know, it, it, like for example, uh, guys, I don't know if you know this, but uh, here at Mmos.com, we actually sell Nexon Korea and Tencent Chinese accounts for you to play with. Uh, if you look below the Twitch uh, v- video, you can see those links. You're happy mm-hmm. to register them yourself. You know, you'll need a Korean uh, social security number for the Nexon one, right? And mm-hmm. for the other one, you need to make a QQ account. It's all in Chinese. you got to figure it out. Use an email. Use a phone number, right? Uh, so you can do it yourself, or you can just give us like 10 bucks or whatever it is. I think a lot of people, they don't want to go through those hoops, right? Especially if you're 13. You don't have any money. You can't pay. You're just going to, you know. Well, if you're 13, you have no money. You literally can't pay us anyway. So well, that's not really an option. Well, not us. I mean, like, you know, they, they yeah. can't they can't circumvent these things if they don't have the money and, or know-how to do it. But if they're in China, they can. Because, again, this is difficult if you're, if you're not in China, you know. If you're in China, look, I have no doubt that these 13-year-olds are going to get around these restrictions. There is no way they're going to be like, if a guy's playing for 40 hours a day, he's clearly, he wants to keep playing. His parents don't give a shit, right? This guy who had a stroke, he's going to keep playing. I, I will bet no, my life no, on No, him. he's not. He's a vegetable now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he had a stroke. I don't think. I don't know if he's permanently damaged, right? But like, the people that are addicted to these games, us, for example, like you, like you, you said earlier, our our father would lock us out of the gaming room, the PC room. We would pick the lock and go in. Mm-hmm. Like where there's a will, there's a way. There's no way these these measures are in place to uh, soothe the government to get off their case, right? Yeah. Think of think of us when we were younger. Think of you. Like if they put this artificial restriction on your ability to play the game, unless it's like. They're going all out and trying to stop you. 
you're going to go around it. You're going to lie about your age one way or another. You're going to get into the game. I, I think it's that simple. I mean, no, nothing is airtight, but uh, yeah. uh, whether these specific restrictions are going to be airtight or not, I don't. Th- I don't think is the main issue. The main issue is: is this a worthwhile pursuit of governments? Um, and obviously, they're going to refine their methods and you know get better at uh, making it work. I, I definitely can tell you if I imagine I tried to log into AOL and it asked me for, like, for my social security number, right? Yeah. And if I don't know my father's. Uh, I'd have to use mine, and, and if I put mine in, and it says you can only go online for two hours or whatever, mm-hmm. I, you know, not everyone's gonna be able to find another social security number. So you it, can memorize your father's or something. The one time he lets you on, and you're good. I mean, maybe, but again, I think every, every it's gonna stop some. You know, it's gonna make it a little harder, and some people are gonna uh, stop because of that. Ultimately, I want to say that uh, I don't think it's a big issue. There was a new, big New York Times article, actually, the one you were you were citing about young men playing video games and it being a potentially big negative impact on the economy, right? Mm-hmm. And what was surprising about that article, I think, um, was how how many hours a week people play video games. And it was it was mind blowing to me how how low it was. So let me go mm-hmm. ahead and share this article with you. Uh, scroll to the, the New York chart. Times one. Yeah, I'm already, yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. If you scroll down to young men ages 21 to 30, and where the free time is going, right? Yeah. From 2004 to 2007, they would spend on average looks like about two hours a week playing video games, right? 2004 to 2007, mm-hmm. and that changed from 2012 to 2015. Now it's 3.4. That number mm-hmm. went up about uh, 50%, what is it, 55%, 60%, about 60%, mm-hmm. from two hours a week to 3.4 hours a week. If you spend three hours, 3.4 hours a week, you're, you're a filthy casual. Come on. 3.4 hours is nothing. All right? That's, that's not a problem at all. That's true, but remember, this is, this is everyone. So, like, the guy with yeah, zero, the guy with zero is literally cutting in half every guy who plays a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think more importantly, if you want to use this chart as, a, as, a, as an accurate uh, mm-hmm. statistic here, look at the change in total leisure time. So, uh, in the past, whatever it is, ten, five years or whatever, we've gained two point three hours of leisure time. Apparently, it all went to video games. Yeah, and almost all of it went to video gaming, right? So that's the thing to remember. So, any new innovations in the workplace or in technology that's giving us more time as human civilization, it's all going to video games. <laughs> that's oh, not all of it, but a lot of it. So that that that's the takeaway that I got from that chart. One last thing on this chart, I want to say before we move on, we've been on this issue for a little while. If you want to worry about if government should intervene, right, like. Look how many hours are wasted every week on optional sleeping. All right, what is in personal care. What is that? What is optional? It's the top one. It's the twenty-four hours a week. Optional. <laughs> I didn't see what? that. Optional sleeping. Like, you want to talk about inefficiency? The average guy is spending about twenty-five hours on his optional. Get sleeping. back to work. Stop sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> so if you worry about the economy, people being out of work, the video game thing is a is is a red herring. Okay, this this thing. People are getting outraged over this nonsense. It's been happening in internet cafes in Korea for a while. And even in Korea, it's an oddball thing. It happens, right? Nobody says it doesn't happen. It happens. But this is a once in a blue moon thing. You know, it's nothing to really build laws around and try fixing when there's really not a problem. Okay, that's, you know what? You're right. I agree. Uh, I think it's overblown. Uh, I still think it's probably a, a niche. Like, I do think it's kind of focused. That's the, the, I think the reason the numbers are low are because I think there's a 10% of men who are just playing a lot. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, so but most people aren't. But could you see this in the future if it gets bigger? Could that be a problem, or will it never be a problem? Like, let's say it passes optional sleeping, where the average man is spending thirty hours a week playing. Possibly, that's that's a problem we'll tackle if we get there. Okay, if okay. If, if let's say people are spending every waking minute being addicted to video games, then maybe there's a real problem over there. Something you know psychologically damaging, maybe. All right, then we'll discuss it there. But I do want to actually talk a little bit more about King of Glory, King of uh, this game, Strike of Kings. So on the article itself, there's a, my my first look video back when I played the Chinese version, and I want to say I've been playing this game for the last three four days actually because it is available in the Netherlands, Germany, Ireland, and west uh, big parts of Western Europe now, right? In English, as well as Turkey. 
And being that I'm in the U.S., I couldn't play it, right? But I just made a separate Apple ID account, and I, and I set my region to Netherlands. And by doing that, you can actually play the game on your device. And I download it on my phone. I've been playing it. And I, honestly, like, I actually like this game. Like, there's very few mobile games I like, and I think most mobile games suck. I played Fate Grand Order because everyone was on the hype train. I'm like, I played it for a couple hours. I'm like, I'm kind of bored, right? But with Strike of Kings, I actually find myself like, crap, I, I actually want to play this game. Like, before I go to bed, I'll, I'll play. You know, I'll, I'll take a break from the PC, go on a recliner, pull up my phone, I'll play a game. Because it's actually fun. It's, it's a MOBA, and it plays like League, and it, it, it's smooth, it's fun, it's simple. And I'm playing, with the, I'm playing the dumb League right now because I started playing Ranked. And you start at Bronze 3. I'm like Bronze 2 right now. I won, I won every one of my games so far. I've won every casual game I've played, every ranked game I've played. And my scores are usually like, like 12 and 1, 12 and 2, very high score. So I'm having a lot of fun just stopping people in, in normal games and ranked games right now in my shit tier rating. But I think, Mark, I, this is like the one time I'm going to say, like, Strike of Kings slash game, uh, Honor of Kings. This is the game we were talking about that was Addiction in China. This game, I think, has a, the greatest potential to dethrone League. Dethrone everything. This could be. This is going to be the next. Um, in my opinion, will be the next monster success. It's already a monster success in Asia, but that doesn't always mean they'll do well in America, right? But I think this game will will be more popular than League of Legends, World of Warcraft, Clash Clash Royale, all these other. This will be the number one video game in the West, I think. Guys, I don't know about you, but he sounds addicted. I think we should, we should cut his time down. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought like I was gonna be like this mobile game is actually fucking good. But yeah, Strike of Kings, so far, it's, it's fucking solid. It's just, it's it's fun, I think, because the maps are shorter. It's like 12-minute games, right? But there's something about it. The quality is there. And I'm not seeing any pay-to-win stuff yet. It's got the same rune system, the same, like, masteries. A lot of the similar systems of League of Legends. And it really is just League of Legends mobile. <laughs> uh, I, I had another woody remark, but I forgot it now. All right, maybe we should we, we should we should look at the... The related news of the week. One last mobile thing before we get to some uh, some some more traditional PC stuff. But there was a uh, Riot Games is suing a game that looks just like Strike of Kings actually, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Drop you that link. Drop me that link. Oh, before I so, guys, mobile yeah. gaming guys, not even once. All right, it's a drug. Take my word. Okay, go. All right. Uh, if you look at this game, uh, mobile mobile, Le- it's called uh, Mobile Legends. It's called Bang Bang Mobile Legends for some reason. Not sure where the Bang Bang is there, but it's there. And they're actually getting sued by Riot Games. And if you look at the pictures, uh, League of Legends versus Mobile Legends, left and right, these are actually all document, all, all in the actual lawsuit itself. So we took the screenshots from the complaint that Riot Games filed. There's a Chinese company that's not Strike of Kings. It's called Shanghai Moonton Technology. And they make Mobile Legends. Very funny name, Moonton Technology. There's Mobile Legends games been out for a couple of years. And it's so obviously a League of Legends clone, right? Like... It's one of those things where, you know, like, okay, you try, you know, you keep it running, you wait till you get sued, then you, you, you shut down, you run away when they sue you, right? But, like, look how similar this game is. And forget the graphics, right? Because, obviously, a lot of games copy that aesthetic in the map, right? Look at the heroes. Look at Lux in League of Legends versus Karna in, in Mobile Legends. Look at the abilities. And they even lined them up for you where Final Spark is Lux's ultimate. It's literally almost word for word the same as Magic Flash. And light binding is the same as magic in prison. Like these are just synonyms sometimes, and they're the exact same abilities. You know what the best one is? The third ability. So Lux is Lucent Singularity, and uh, Karma's is Magic Halo. And both see they couldn't they couldn't reword this one, so they just copied it directly. Create a magic snare on the ground, which after exploding causes magic magic damage to enemies and slows them down. It's literally worth yeah. right? Crazy magic snare on the ground, which after exploding causes magic damage. It, they literally could not even bother to reword that one. The other ones are at least 
they're the same abilities, right? But they're rewarded. Uh, but number Actually, three is direct. <laughs> Milk bitch in the chat. They added bang bang because they were getting heat. They took the game down and added bang bang like it was getting it off the radar. That's true. In the complaint, actually, that Riot Games filed, if you scroll down to the bottom after you maybe look at the Annie one, there's Emily versus Annie. I put a link to the actual lawsuit itself, yeah. which I'll drop in the chat in case people are curious. This is the actual lawsuit that was filed and it's public now. You can see it. And in that lawsuit, they, they, they lay down the steps of what happened, like the whole saga, right? I think essentially they they they... they told Apple and Google to take the game down, right? Because it was obviously ripping them off. And they took it down, and they put Bang Bang at the end and relaunched as like as if it was something different. It was the same game, obviously. So bang, like, they're, bang. They're, kind of work, they're kind of working around the, the system, the Apple, the iOS Apple Store system and the Google Play system to kind of stay online. And this is the whole complaint over here. There's actually They actually point out all the similarities between the games if you scroll through the actual complaint. It used to be called Magic Rush Heroes, right? And then they changed the name again. And it's... Like, the audacity, right? Like, yeah, I get it. You can copy, like, it's perfectly fine to copy games, inspire games. But when you have heroes that are literally the same abilities, word for word, across the, you know, across the board, there's a problem. And they even admit, like, archetypes and characters themselves can't be copyrighted. But their abilities and their context can be. And they're arguing that and providing very good evidence that these are the same characters. They, they have identical set of powers and skills. And I, on maps that actually quite literally copy the art assets as well. So if you redesign your map to look similar, that's fine. But the art assets are actually copied as well. And that's where the problem is going to be. If you look at the red buff, the blue buff, the jungle minions, even on some of the advertisements, Garen from League looks identical to, to the Mobile Legends ad where you can see Garen on there too. I love it's pretty it. brazen. My, my, my favorite part of this story is the, um, is the official you know, um, response by the Moonton technology. It said, quote, Mobile Legends is a MOBA that is developed by Moonton independently and its copyrights has already been registered and protected in multiple countries all over the world. Mobile Legends and all the users will not be affected by these unreal reports and we will keep providing the best gameplay experience to players all over the world. So they Your are best gameplay experience. They are not backing down, boys. They cautioned members of the media from spreading false information. <laughs> yeah, so. they actually said they reserved the right for all legal action against media that says all this false reports. So they're claiming that the that we're the fake news media spreading this bullshit because we're competitors to them. I mean, they they like pseudo threaten to sue anyone that spreads false information. But like, it's so obvious that this is like normally sites are like a lot of sites are kind of just pointing this out that this is happening, right? But like in the article, I said this is obviously they're copying it. The, the hands down, like like. I don't have to see anymore. I, I skimmed through the accusations in the docket, right? People will say, oh, wait till all the facts come out. You know, maybe in court they'll present some different. No, look, you look at the case. You look at the, uh, know, the allegations. You, you do the common sense sniff test, and this is obviously a complete ripoff, and they're going to lose. There, there is literally no defense of what they're doing. You don't have to wait for the verdict. They're guilty, all right? Done. Guilty. Boom. Thoughts, Aaron? You know what? It's not looking good. Uh, but what do you think? Okay, here's the thing. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're just going to get removed from the Apple Store? Or do you, will they be? Will they pay damages or what? Well, they're asking for damages. I think one hundred fifty thousand. They said one hundred fifty thousand per act of uh, infringement. So basically, everything. It's going to be millions and millions of dollars, right? And, okay. And they're being sued in the U.S. court because the game is available in America. And it, are they just being told to remove it from iOS or Android as well? Both, and they want the fine, and as well mm -hmm. as all their uh, lawyer fees, all that shit too. So it's going to be millions of dollars. And I don't think this game is big enough to pay. People do play Mobile Legends. I should mention, like, it's a popular game. It's not, like, enormous that's making millions of dollars a day, but people do play this. And it, you know, conceivably makes maybe, like, $10, 20000000 million a year, probably a bit more, actually. So people do play it. Well, uh, uh, well that, there we go, guys. 
Mobile Legends. It's in trouble. <laughs> play, play it while you still can. Scroll to the bottom of the article. Look at the other similarities. You can see Lulu and it's, and Marilyn. Like the characters, it shows you all the characters yeah, yeah. that are knocked off in the game. Uh, yeah, I scrolled through the whole thing, and I, I like the the last page. They mm-hmm. they're showing pictures of even like the uh, the ball, like the red buff, um, the logo, mm-hmm. the victory screen. So, <laughs> so they really <laughs> this Garen picture. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was the funniest news of the week of events going on, and I think what's what's interesting is the timing of this lawsuit. I mean, this game's been around for a while. I think the reason Riot is suing now is Tencent's like, yo, we're going to be launching our own mobile game, so like, you know, and and. Tencent probably pushed them to like settle this for now before their mobile game comes out. Before Strike of Kings comes out in America, they don't want this other popular game competing with them, and rightfully so. I mean, between Mobile Legends and, and Strike of Kings, they're very similar games. So probably a lot of people are playing Mobile Legends because they can't play Strike of Kings just yet. So they want to make sure this game's out of the picture when Strike of Kings launches. I mean, I I wonder what the uh, so, so okay so a judge has to decide to take this to uh, a jury or throw it out. Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll I think that. I think it's pretty sure what, where this is going to go. Again, obviously we're no lawyers, but you look at the evidence and it seems pretty uh, pretty convincing. Do you think the, the judge could just be like, "I don't give a shit about this, dismissed"? Oh yeah, the judge is allowed to uh, in summary uh, during a summary judgment they can just toss it out or instantly rule one way or another before it goes anywhere. So there's always a possibility. If there's no merit to it, it can be tossed out right away. Right. But I think uh, those expensive lawyers that League pays for with the with the 1.8 billion dollars they make a year, they'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. So in that case, I do think. Uh... I think Riot Games will win this one pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Mobile Legends. Yeah, right, we should we should do a small update on this as well. Have you seen this one yet? Which one? About the Tibia portal. Oh yeah, this is the one on the in the news that uh, the weekly news recap that you uh yes that you flubbed that this, everyone mentioned. This actually happened though. It, we finally got to see it. So small recap. There was a there was a 999 uh, experience portal in Tibia that you, you had to walk through. In order to walk through, you had to be level 999. When the developers added uh, Sipsoft added this to the game, nobody was even close to level 999. And it would be like 12 years after they added that to the game that somebody finally reached level 999. So you can actually go through that portal. And it led to, uh, unfortunately, uh, pretty much nothing. If you scroll down in the article I linked to you, there is a small video. Mm-hmm. You can see what, what happens when you go through that portal. And it literally just goes to an island, and there's basically nothing there. And we did talk about this in the past before because some guy reached all 999 and he went through it, but he didn't tell anybody what was inside of it. Yep. Everybody was kind of waiting for him to get there and he, he, he told nobody. So this is the second guy to hit 999 and he streamed it live. So we got, everyone got to see uh, with him the little island at the end. Uh, but what's insane is this guy was a complete douchebag. Why? If you read this article, the guy that got level 99, he was holding it hostage. He was like, he wanted you know, $5,000 donations, otherwise he won't go in, right? So people giving him money and then, you know, and he's still not showing it, right? And he kept like he tried like ten different times to like extort money out of people to, to see what's behind the door. And like people would give him money, and he would like back off and like ask for more money. He was a complete douchebag about it. That's crazy. How, how much did he get at the end? Because he did walk through it, right? Yes, he walked through it for nearly two months. He held to be his greatest secret hostage for the community in order to raise money through Twitch donations. At first, he was hoping to raise five thousand before everyone was behind the door. Uh, he changed his fundraising goal several times. Nobody knows how much money he made. That's crazy. But he actually did. He did. He uh, he wanted his vacation to Morocco 2017 funds. So he was kind of like it was. It was kind of douchey move. For, and people got really mad at him too. Like, why the f would you take money from people and fuck them over? You should just delete this page. People got pissed off that he wasn't like you know. We kept changing the goalposts and stuff. But he eventually did go through. So at least he followed through. There it is, guys. I hope, I hope it was worth it. Whoever donated <laughs> to see him walk through the 
the portal. But the sad part is there was nothing through it, right? Mm-hmm. Come on, like this is this is something that remained a mystery for such a long time, twelve years. And I do. Th- we talked last week about stuff in MMORPGs, which I think make the genre really fun. Stuff outside of like the core combat, stuff outside the leveling. We talked a lot last week about stuff like adding mini games, adding like chess boards, and like all these other interactive elements to like an MMORPG to get the full experience. Stuff like this, where there's a great mystery in the game, right? There's something that you just can't have. Right? You see a door that you literally cannot go through until you reach a certain milestone. That's so ridiculous, right? That you, you can never conceivably hope to get there, right? Mm-hmm. But it always it's always there. You'll always be wondering what was behind that door. And this is something a lot of Tibia players did think about. They dwelled about it. And it was it, it helped build the mystique of the world and the charm of the game. It's a very small thing, but it was one thing to keep in mind. And I'm just sad that other games don't do this. Like mysteries like this should be a part of the world, part of the lore. Like it, it was such a small feature and small element, but it it cost him nothing to put it there, right? But it it was cool, and there aren't enough mysteries like this anymore. And oh, agreed. I think game. I agreed. I I kind of made. I kind of uh, as I was listening to you, I thought of the um, those secret weapon bosses like in Final Fantasy VII and stuff. Like yeah. ima- imagine an MMORPG had this world boss that was basically unbeatable and just kind of walked yeah. around killing people. It'd be kind of cool. And, and that's actually what I've been saying for such a long time. I mean, one of my like I think I was talking about with a friend when we first the BlizzCon like forever ago, like. I want, like, it's such a, maybe a juvenile thing or, like, such a dumb idea, but, like, in an MRPG, any MRPG, I always want there to be at least one boss, right? That literally has never been beaten. Mm-hmm. Make it so hard that, like, make it possible, but so hard that nobody has done it. Where it requires 100 people to coordinate perfectly to beat it, right? Just, even if nobody will ever beat it in their entire life and the game will shut down if everybody beats it, have that there. Have that as something that people can aspire to one day to, to beat. When 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 all the content has been cleared by like a bunch of, a lot of people, and there's really nothing left to do for the hardcore raiders, even if you're not a hardcore raider, even even if you'll never even beat the current content, right? Having that there is always like, oh, you know, like nobody's beating this boss, and people always wonder what does that boss drop, you know, like what would it be? Like these little mysteries, these little things that keep people fascinated with the game, and it just I don't think we nothing really has that anymore. Like everything nowadays gets beaten in the first day, like. But, when WoW releases their latest content, like, it gets cleared. Like, the toughest content gets cleared. Obviously, by elite group of players. Average players will never beat it, right? But like, there's got to be something that even the elite people can't beat. Just have one thing. It, Just it's one so thing. much It's so much harder to do that now because of the culture around, like, um, the forums, guides, you know, database sites. I remember, like, when I was playing a game, you know, you had to kind of discover things on your own, share with your friends, your guild. Today, who, the, the first person is going to write that guide on day one, right? So mm-hmm. the mystery, it's still doable, but it's a lot harder to do th- stuff like this uh, today than than in the past. But that's for, like make it purposefully near impossible. Like I really like well, that, I no. really want. That it can't just be like artificial, like one shots everything. But, I'd rather have. Uh, yeah, I agree. It, but it's gotta be beatable. Like, if you if you have a hundred players, you coordinate perfectly, you can beat it. Like, okay, like then that. then it will be beat on day one. <laughs> you think so? Today, in today's culture, I think so. Maybe. But uh, that, that's what one thing I've been itching for for a long time in a game. I just really want something like that to be in a game. Like it, it seems like clearly it's not something developers seem to agree on because no game has done this, right? Maybe it's just something I, I kind of hope for in a game. But I don't know. That, I, I just really want that personally. All right. Well, in the meantime, we'll have to make do with uh, the current crop of upcoming games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched one. This is fun. I want to talk about this. This Wild West Online gameplay video. This is getting a lot of uh, controversy on the internet right now. So let controversy. me let me play this, and then while we talk about it, okay. So this game was announced earlier this year, 
initially it was supposed to be a crowdfunded game, but then they said, JK, we got all the money we need, so no crowdfunding required. It's going to come out this year, apparently. And uh, here, this is our first gameplay look at it. Looks okay to me, you know, you know, moving around. It's kind of a Wild West theme. But some people on Reddit decided to take a closer look at this video, and they're saying a lot of this gameplay is BS. A lot of it was done in post-production. Like, um, So there's, what we're seeing is actually not gameplay. It's just him moving around, and the things like the bullet uh, animations and you know, fire animations were added afterwards. So, uh, I mean, personally, the, it's, not like the, it's not like the combat looked particularly cool, so I don't know why they would fake it, but what are you, what are you, what's your take on this? All right, my take was the concept was initially really cool. I think when the when the when the screenshots first revealed online, people were saying it's like, oh my god, this Red Dead Redemption online style game. It sounded really cool because a Western MMO is something we really haven't seen. I mean, there's a few oddball, crappy browser games with the Western theme that suck, but a concept of Red Dead Redemption online style game in an MMO format is really cool. But when when like it's one of those things that start off really hype and very quickly cratered an expectation when Mister Titov's name got thrown around. And that's because it used a Nightshade engine, the same engine behind War Z and pretty much every other Last Man Standing game. Last Man Standing as well. And this engine and this Sergei Titov guy have a pretty, I guess, infamous reputation for making buggy, uh, crappy games. So once his engine was associated with the game, the developers quickly said, we're basically, we're not affiliated with Mr. Titov. We just licensed his engine. But that's a whole bunch of bullshit. If you look at like the, the lawyer both companies use, it's the same company that like represents both Free Reign Tidov and then this Wild West Online game. They're clearly affiliated in some way beyond just the engine. Like It, it seems like there's almost no doubt at this point where they're affiliated. But it, it just... When his name got tossed around, I feel like my expectation for quality declined significantly because if you look at everything else that Free Rain Entertainment was involved in, and I think the fact that they're not launching on Steam, they're launching basically... They're, they're going to be using a different payment, a payment processor that... At least if a game launched on Steam, you know. If you buy it, you have the protection of Steam refunds, right? When a game is not on Steam, you don't have that protection. You can't get refunds. And with a buy-to-play game, I feel like if, if they're going to pull a bit and switch on you with a piece of crap, at least you can get a refund on Steam. But they're not going to be on Steam because of that. Well, not necessarily because of that, but it won't be on Steam right away. And I suspect it's because they'll be launching quite buggy and not with all the features they intended to. And again, Mr. Tito's name being tossed around kind of diminishes the hype for me. But at least there's no crowdfunding. You can take a look at it for yourself when it launches, so at least there's that going for it. Yeah. That kind of worried me too. There's only no if you first of all they they are they're not taking uh crowdfunding money, mm-hmm. but they are selling uh you know the founders packs obviously. Yeah. So the tiers we got here is twenty dollars, forty dollars, and sixty dollars. I don't know if I'd recommend uh early access right now. I wouldn't actually. But uh, this Exola uh, payment processor, you know, they're not like a they're not some like crazy yeah gimmick company. A lot of big a lot of big sites uh, use Exola. Uh, apparently, their customers include Valve, Twitch, Aria Games, Big Point, GameForge, uh, etc. So they're they're a real company. They're based in America. This this payment processor. But yeah, so I I I don't know. do do a lot of early access games offer refunds. I don't I don't think so. Especially if they're selling on their website. I mean, personally, I just I take comfort with Steam refund. Uh, I've used it once before. It was a no hassle. But they do say they have a no hassle refund policy, so that you know might be fine. But people have been burnt before on free reign games. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of salt on Reddit over free reign and the, and what uh, War Z was mm-hmm. and all the issues with that. And I mean, look, what's crazy is this this free reign this Mr. Titov guy, right? He's he's a pretty well known dude. I mean, if you look at his other game, Last Man Standing, 
we, uh, we we did a video for it once, but like the game is still pretty crazy popular. It's got like three thousand players online. It's a poor man's player knows battleground. So, and this guy made like a ton of other games before this. He this, the Sergey Tito was a was a te- technical director at Riot Games back in two thousand six. So he he helped shape Riot Games as it was starting. This guy's a, you know, maybe his his coding prowess on building back end networks is really good, but maybe everything else kind of sucks about it. But I mean, he's got experience, so. There's always hope. There's always hope. It's just that I'm not going to be the one to pre-order the game or buy early access. I mean, if if I hear rave reviews from my friends, from Reddit, from Steam, the game is good, then I'll check it out. I think it's one of those situations where it's a wait and see. I I think this guy, this game especially, Wild West Online, is getting too much hate. And and so was Last Man Standing. I remember we we played it, you, me, and um, Matt, right? Mm -hmm. And that game was free to play. So it was basically, it was supposed to be a shitty player unknowns, you know, uh, Battlegrounds or H1Z1. You know, King of the Kill. It's supposed to be a shitty version of that. It's free to play, man. So I don't know what you guys are. Exp- and same with this Wild West Online. I feel like they're being uh, criticized for having um, bad, like uh, environmental models, like the trees don't like sway or whatever. Animation and stuff. Too, Animations, yeah. yeah. But here's the thing: you can't, you can't, you know, dismiss a game for promising too much, like so many crowdfunding games do, like Star Citizen yeah. or whatever. You can't criticize them for being too ambitious, and at the same time, for being. No, not enough ambitious. Like, this game is not promising the world. This game is saying, listen, we announced it. We don't want crowdfunding money. We're going to, it's going to come out by the end of the year. Uh, it's $20 if you want to pre-order it. If not, whatever. And this is okay. what the game is going to look like. like wh- no, what's that, what's wrong with you're this? Fair. No, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying because yeah. I do want to clarify my position for people saying, you know, like, I'm too negative on this game. I actually, I'm way more optimistic on Wild West Online than I am on stuff like Chronicles of Illyria or Ashes of Creation. Yeah. And what, what's crazy is... The, the MO world is almost the opposite. People are more hyped about uh, Asher Creation and Chronicles of Lyria. These two games that basically are so ambitious, and there's really nothing there yet, right? And we, I, I don't know if either game will ever actually release. Okay, personally, I, I don't. I don't think they they will actually. I hope they do, but I don't think they will. With Wildlife Online, I'm pretty. I'm like 90% sure this is going to happen. Yeah. 99% sure it's going to happen because they're aiming for a summer beta with a full release this year with no crowdfunding. I mean, it may come out shitty. It's possible, right? It might be awful, but it's going to happen. I don't know if that's if it's even going to happen with the other two MMO, with the other two MMOs. So I'm much more you know optimistic on this than I am on the other games. The other games, if they happen, there's more potential. But those are giant question marks. Yeah. So I think this game will come out, and I think some people will like it, some people won't. It'll be a mediocre, decent game, right? That's it. Is that, I, I hope that, it's mediocre. Yeah. Like, mediocre is fine. Doesn't matter. Mediocre. Exactly. I mean, not every game has to be like the next WoW, you know, style uh, level tier game. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you can okay. you can criticize it. You can refuse to buy the early. I'm not gonna buy Founders Pack, and I don't recommend anyone does. But that doesn't mean I'm not gonna play it when it comes out uh, and enjoy it for what it is. Fair. But I think people have this. A lot of people are excited about some kind of Western. And I do want to say that the, the design philosophy behind a lot of Western games, I think, are more exciting than a lot of the Eastern ones. If you look at this game, they say there's no grind, PvP heavy. I mean, these are concepts you don't see in a lot of Western uh, in uh, Eastern games. You know, like what launched most recently uh, out of Korea, stuff like Critica, right? Critica just launched, and it's really the same old stuff we've seen yeah. you know, over and over again. I mean, there's nothing innovative about that. At least with what you know, this game is trying to do, it'll be different. And I'm not gonna say it's it's probably gonna suck. It may not, you know, live up to all of the hype, but like at least it'll be different. And I can applaud them for that. And that that's the same argument I had uh, defending Shroud the Avatar. I mean, I it's buggy and the interface doesn't look, look clean or easy to use, but they're doing something different. And I think that in and of itself is, is a virtue. we got to do more different shit to get something you know amazing. It's, we're not going to have another Korean grind. That should be the next big thing if it's the same old crap we've seen a hundred times. 
all the WoW clones, you know, you're not going to beat WoW with, with WoW clones. Yeah. The best you do is like Final Fantasy XIV, which is it's nowhere near as big as WoW, not even close to it, but it's, it's still kind of a WoW clone in its design philosophy. Also, I should mention that a lot of people are saying Wild West Online is like a cash grab because of the mm -hmm. announcement of Red Dead Redemption 2, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, they're just trying to just ride their coattails. Yeah, probably, but so what? I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to cost 60 bucks. you know? It's going to be a full-fledged game. This game's going to cost 20 or less. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what's wrong with uh, a cheaper alternative or something? Oh, we got another That's sub great. here, Buzzcut. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so... There's nothing wrong with a cheaper option. Like, remember, free-to-play games when they first came out, guys, were, were basically like knockoff wows. You know, like so, like Rune, or Runes of Magic, you know, Four Story. A lot of these games were visibly just an inferior wow, right? But the fact that they were free is what made them interesting. So, a twenty-dollar Western for people who just want to play on their PC casually, rather than a sixty-dollar Red Dead Redemption Two when that comes out. You know, that's a fair trade. That's you know. Ain't nothing wrong know. with that. I, I think the argument makes more sense with the last man standing. Like, yeah, player knows battlegrounds cost like thirty bucks, right? If you want to play a shitty PUBG, mm -hmm. but it's free, you yeah. know, you have, the last man standing is actually a pretty good alternative. I mean, the game people are complaining that that game has like boosts. You can like pay money to have like more damage and more HP, and like, these obviously pay to win features, right? That help you win. But like the game is free, so who cares? You know, you anyone that plays uh, last man standing, they know going into it, they're playing a shitty PUBG. Like, they all know that, right? That that's why I think that game is more defensible. This game costs money too. So now you're arguing if it's worth twenty versus a sixty dollar Red Dead Redemption game. That's a different argument. If it's free versus like thirty, and the free one is shitty, at least it didn't cost you anything, you know? Well, here's a fun thing. If you if you look at their website right now, they have a no fuss refund policy. Yep, I saw that. Yeah, we offer unconditional good. refunds as a team. Da -da -da. So until the until second phase of alpha testing, we'll let you refund your early bird purchase with no questions asked. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are interested in playing it, at least uh, you can get your money back if you don't like it. There you mm -hmm. go. Good. Yeah. You want to talk about this article too? I thought this was pretty cool. Oh yeah, so this yeah, this was on Gamasutra. Amar and I both mm -hmm. read it over some coffee. Basically, this guy wrote a huge like what looks like some academic paper initially on monetization in games. And a fun statistic he had is a lot of subscription games, like old subscription games. Uh the you know, the revenue from uh, RMT, real money selling was actually just as much as the revenue that the game company was making. So, for example, like EverQuest or something, right? So EverQuest, you know, people were paying you know, $12 a month to play, but they were spending more than $12 a month buying in-game, you know, gold. So, And then the guy is saying, this is not a good business model, right? Where half the revenue is going to third parties. Um, and apparently he worked for Wargaming for a bit. Uh, he helped them with their uh, monetization. Anyway, you want to go into the details of... Uh, free-to-play monetization for you know basically yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i find this article very fascinating i mean we read a lot of industry stuff on emojis and there's some good stuff on gamma sutra a lot of the blogs on there are really solid and industry reports and what's cool about this is this guy talks about the old school model of free-to-play where like games are very pay to win and obviously games still today are have degrees of pay to win but if you look at the really old stuff that came out like pre-2010 free-to-play games the conversion rate for stuff for a lot of those games, whether it's like MapleStory and stuff, were like 5%. If you were able to get 5% of your free users to convert, like 5% of people spend money, that was like, holy shit, like you've made it, right? Like those five guys, those 5% are going to spend a lot of money to support your game. And the guy who wrote this academic paper said basically that's the wrong model to use. You can't build a game around 95% rejection rate, where 95% of people hate your business model. 
and they're not going to spend any money. And these people complain about pay to win. And the guy who worked at Wargaming, he he fine tuned the model for World of Tanks, World of Tanks Blitz, and uh, the World World of Warships. And he says we didn't tell anybody how good our our, our conversion rates were because it was insane. Thirty over thirty percent of people that play World of Tanks spend money, and it was because people were more accepting of that model. They they didn't view it as like some kind of cash grab. They didn't view it as like dishonest. Anytime you know your game is kind of viewed as pay to win, it's built on the backs of whales people have to spend like a very small percentage of the player base spend a ton of money to support the and he's arguing that it's, that's not sustainable and the reason like stuff like lead did so well is because they they've moved away from that where it, it wasn't as pay to win it wasn't as bad and i think it's pretty remarkable because you know a lot of those games they were totally built on pay to winners they were totally built on the whales again we, we, I had a, we had a revenue sharing deal with area games back in the hut days and they would they would tell us like straight up like okay like this percent of our players end up paying and if they ever pay Odds are we would get about a thousand bucks from them. Like the average person that ever paid money on area games for any area games title, if they spent one dollar. Odds are they spent about a thousand dollars. It was like it was like two hundred dollars a month for like seven months. That was like the average spend of anybody who actually spends money. Average revenue per paying user. And you can't have a model with that kind of spending. It's insane. Ninety-five percent of people are playing the game for free. Five percent are supporting, which is which is nuts. And he's making an argument that games are you know going to transition more to uh like more people have to support. Like free to play is good if you can have you know, more people participating without feeling cheated. Yeah, and I, I think... That was really fascinating. I was also fascinated by, and I've mentioned this before, it's not so easy to make a game free-to-play. Uh, Omar, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, when the game's like... What was that? I keep forgetting that. One was like Gearbox Mobile that didn't do well and went free-to-play recently. Battle, right? Battle, no, not Battle, right. Battle, no, Battle, no, not Battle, right. It's Battleborn. Battleborn, yes. It's not so easy as getting a game like Battleborn and then just switching and making it free-to-play. Like, just getting rid of the cost. Monetization is, uh, is science. Okay, so you need people like this guy who's obviously very interested in it, very capable, you know, math math guy here. You need a team of people to come up with a monetization method for your game. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not so easy to switch from like a sub game or a retail game to a free to play game because how you do that, you know, cash shop is is not just a matter of pay to win or not pay to win. It's really an art. You have to and a science. You got to get mm-hmm. the average player to want to spend money. So. I don't know the best way to do it, but this guy's obviously uh, onto something here. I thought it was nuts that those old school uh, subscription games, half the money was going towards R&T and half like, to the company, which is, again is nuts. You think the developer, I mean, that's why they say a lot of the developers kind of gave up on like uh, trying to fight the bots in the RMT, which is why so many games let you kind of uh, participate in RMT with like cash shops, you know, where you can trade, uh, you know, buy cash shops and sell them in the auction house, whether it's in uh, Blade and Soul, whether it's through Black Desert Online. You know, that's why they're jumping on that bandwagon themselves. If you can't beat them, you got to join them. Didn't we have a discussion where, like, uh, I said I'd be fine with the company directly selling players in-game gold, in-game levels, in-game equipment, and you kind of were against it? Maybe. Like, in, like I think we had a discussion with Blizzard. When Blizzard first started in China, they um, somebody called them. They called China Blizzard office, and they said something <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to raid. I'll just give you $2,000 for, like, this gear. And Blizzard said, no, we don't do that. And then, like a couple of years later, they're like, "We're such idiots. Why did why didn't we, you know, why didn't we realize that there was so much more money in, you know, RMT or not RMT, but like cash shops, you know, item malls?" Than just you need a delicate balance. Okay, I don't think if you accommodate those people, you can alienate the rest of your player base. And if you can't, like, well, that was one of the main points of this article is how RMTs destroy the in-game economy for everybody else. You know, it takes away other people's accomplishments. Where if you know you have that one epic mount in the game or one really rare item in the game, mm-hmm. everyone kind of like you know gawks at you when you go into town. You know you ride through town on this epic mount, and you you become notorious. You become well known. You know, and when 
when you have bots running that dungeon 10 million times a day through thousands of accounts and they, they farm the shell that amount they give it they sell it to everyone for like five dollars or something it, it devalues that experience you know and it does hurt the experience for everybody else so well, there is a you know, balancing act how about this then? I, I got the best of both worlds Imagine that MMORPG where you can buy from the from the developer anything in the game. The best sword, the best mount, right? But it's got the skin of the level one gear. So imagine the epic flying mount. It looks just like a horse with like the shitty wings, right? Or the epic sword, the best sword in the game, but it looks like a wooden sword if you buy it from the cash shop. But if you raid for it, then it looks like the epic, you know, glowing sword. How about that? So now you're you're competing in the game for, for flash, right? But you can just open your wallet for. Oh, that that that's that's actually I think pretty decent compromise. I think a lot more people will be open to that if you know you're paying for the you know it's different if you get it with the rate. Just even just visually. I think, yeah. So they'll know. Yeah, I, I, that's I think a very smart system. I think people should actually consider that because I think less people would have an issue with that. You know, where you can still have that achievement in game, without having to you know, do it. And people are saying that. I don't have time to raid to it. That's actually a very good argument for the cash shops and stuff. We've talked a lot in defense of that. But I wanted this article and the ending, I think it was really important. And this was back in 2009 when he wrote this article, the, the original paper. MOGs have not been failing commercially from lack of consumer demand. They fail because they are thrown together almost randomly, what I call a Frankenstein style, without an understanding of the requisite systems for success. And I think that's so true. We have so many games at launch that feel like a hodgepodge of like, what the frick is this? Like, how was, who thought this would make money? Like, who thought that this combination of, of, of gameplay elements and design was, was a good idea? And w- there are so many hodgepodge, awful games at launch that shouldn't be surprising why they fail. Well, speaking of hodgepodges and failures, Firefall is officially dead. I mean, what a, Finally. What a, what a project this was. I remember reading about this during development. Oh, man, they, was, they spent a lot of money on this one. I remember they actually bought like they 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 bought a big tour bus, uh, like a trailer, and come mm-hmm. we're driving around with that instead of actually working on the game. <laughs> but th- this game, like, it's so weird they held off this long on shutting down, right? I mean, everybody knew this game was dead. Everybody knew it. If you look at the Steam charts, look how bad the numbers were. Like, what were they waiting for? I mean, I, it's weird they even kept it going this long. It says there's about 18 players on right now. The server was supposed to go down not uh, like uh, a week ago. So there might be some people still lingering around. Maybe they forgot to pay the server. They, they forgot to turn the servers out on the way out, on the way out of the office, you know. But the game is officially is officially dead now. The player base has been declined for such a long time. And what's like what's crazy is like the official website was running, and th- there's been not a single news post or any kind of official post on their, on their website for over a year. Like you knew at that point, this game was like living on borrowed time. It was like there's, there's nobody at the office anymore. Like nothing's getting fixed. Nothing's being updated. So it's, this was like, it's sad, but this was at one point like, it, it had like the, the hype level yeah, of like, yep, definitely the, wow, the next big thing, like it was going to change the world. Like people thought this mix of MMO slash shooter. And I think this was actually one of the first ones that got the hype going. Probably not the first one that came out, but like the first mega hyped shooter slash MMO combination. People were telling me this game, this was going to be the best thing ever. And obviously I was skeptical and my skepticism proved right, but it, it was, it was a disaster. It had the, the it had the Blizzard veterans working on it too. I, I remember seeing everywhere Red Five Studios. We have ex Blizzard people working here. But like, I don't know. I guess they were ex Blizzard people because they couldn't make it a Blizzard or something. But for whatever reason, the game was a it was a disaster. Uh, yeah. For those of you who were on the Firefall hype train or played it and liked it, the guys behind it are not giving up. They're making another ambitious title with a weird name. It's called Ember with an eight thrown in there. It's, there's nothing there yet, though. It's a yeah. concept they want to do. And that's cool. Like, I, I really like. 
I don't know what to think about games like this, right? And somebody asked, "What do you think about Ember so far?" It's like there's nothing to really think about. Like at this stage, it's it's got some some art assets and some very basic like design philosophy on what they want to do. But I don't like reading design philosophy until there's something there. You know, you can I think anyone like if if I wrote like a white paper, like a simple blog post on my design philosophy, I'm going to make Remote Online, okay, the best MMORPG in the world. I think I could actually describe an amazing experience, something people will read and be like, "Holy shit." This game is going to be god tier. It's amazing. I'll tell people what they want to hear. I'll, I'll tell like all the fun systems the game will have, and like yeah, it will sound great on paper, right? You, you can make anything sound good on paper, which is why, you know, all these crowdfunding games I think do really well because it's easy to make a game sound amazing when you talk about what you want to do. But when you start doing is when the hard part begins because incorporating all these systems into an MO is a te- technical challenge to have all these amazing ideas work. I don't like getting hype and I don't like following super early development cycle for that reason. I I, I don't know what to think about Ember. And nobody does really. If you tell me that Ember's gonna be amazing, you know, you, you, there's no way you can't know. I hope it does well. You know, I hope every game does well. But when you have nothing but a word document to describe your game, you got nothing at this point. Yeah, and actually, I'm looking at their Indiegogo here, and they actually have less than most Kickstarters, right? It's a lot of concept art. Um, they don't really even have like a full-fledged uh, like gameplay or trailer or anything. Mm-hmm. It's literally not. They have art assets and words on paper. That's it. Yep. Yep. No, can't say I'm too excited for this, guys. So, uh, Chris dude says, Remote Online throws money at Altai Brothers. All right. Well, yeah, we, we're going to get started going one day, all right? <laughs> so I ra- mentioned that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'd rather buy a, a Founders Pack for West Online than, than Fund Ember right now. <laughs> if you look at heroesawaken.com, somebody's actually trying to bring back uh, Battlefield Heroes. Well, uh, obviously, cool. yeah, using the art assets from the game, some kind of private server they want to bring back. I mean, I, I, hopefully it does happen, you know. I mean, I, I would love a fan project to bring this back. I don't know how, you know, legitimate any of these are. I mean, I've seen this. I think I've seen a couple of videos for this one, but, I mean, I don't think it's fully out just yet. And I really hope it happens. I think Battlefield uh, Heroes is a really good game. But, look, you know this is a sketch. Hold on, hold on. Look at that about page on, on, on uh, Heroes Awaken. Look at the staff developer and coordinator. Why is that one guy? What's his name? Sherlock. What's his, what's the actor's name? What? You're right. It's Cumber well, Cumberbatch. Why would you put that there, guys? They, they, got, they got they got Cumberbatch working on this. They got guys. Cumberbatch. <laughs> you know, I, I trust Warp Productions more. That dog smacking the keyboard is more legitimate. At least it's like a funny internet avatar. But if you just put a picture of Cumberbatch there as your uh, staff developer, like you can't take it seriously. Come on. That's amazing. Lord Squirrel. Uh, uh, the bus guy says uh, it can be legally done if they don't tr- No, this is another big misconception about copyright. You can't like just rip off somebody's copyright, their assets, patents, or anything like that, right? Or a game, or a private server. And you can't use the excuse that, like, oh, we're not making any money off it. It was for free. That's not a defense. It's, it's still illegal. And they will shut you down like this if they wanted to. You know, plenty of wild private servers, private servers of any game, they get shut down even though they're free. So in the future, if anybody says a defense for copyright infringement is not profiting off it, they just don't understand basic copyright law. So that is that is never the case. So just heads up for future use. I, I, I hope it happens too. Like I'm totally rooting for this to happen. And I, I like private servers. I, I play like it's worth mentioning. I, I play Throne of Heroes. I mean I think if a company makes a fun game, like as as a consumer, as a player, I don't really give a shit if it's copyrighted. With the example of Mobile Legends, obviously it was a you know, complete ripoff of League of Legends. As a player, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, God bless, you know, another game for me to play if I want to, right? But you know, I understand Riot's perspective as well. Personally, though, I'd rather the game be there just so I can play it. And I play Throne of Heroes, even though it's a completely knocked-off game. So this doesn't bother me at all as well. I mean, we've talked about private servers in the past as well. So I personally support private servers. All right. 
also, if you guys want to know what is legal in private servers, uh, you cannot distribute the actual assets that came with the game. So the, the people playing on your server have to download the game or use their original CD or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or just go on Pirate Bay or whatever. But the, the, the guy making the private server can himself provide the actual game files. What he can do legally is he can reverse engineer the, the how the server and client interact. So that's what a lot of the legal private servers do. So they rewrite the code based on like almost like guesswork, right? Like they see, okay, when I swing the sword, this is what the server does, and then this thing dies. And they can write that, they can rewrite that part. Yes, you know? that's legal. That's allowed. Yeah, but they, they cannot distribute the art assets uh, or any of the client assets. That's actually what a lot of the emulators do. If you look at the PS1, PS2, N64 emulators, right? They don't come with the BIOS. Those are the actual like files that you know Nintendo includes with the product, or Sony includes, right? And then they say like, okay, it's not going to work without the BIOS, so you have to get the BIOS on your own. You know, you can rip it off your own PlayStation One if you want to get it, but nobody does that. They just download it off Pirate Bay and yep. put it that way. That's like the the loophole around a lot of that stuff. There it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope we get the Battlefield Heroes again because I, I love that game. It it was a, it was fun, but it was a little imba, and I hated the fact that there was a launch. There was like a Browser launcher, and then it launched to the actual game. Yeah, I, everyone hates that. <laughs> I'm so glad that fad died. Or you log in on the browser, you click the play now button. Like EG, I think every EG game had to be launched from their website, right? Yep. It, yep. It was just so stupid. No, I, I agree. It was it was bad. A lot of Korean games still do that actually, yep. which is really stupid. Yep. All Maybe, the Maple Story, Maple Story Two, for example, does yeah. that too. All right, you want to hear? You want to see the cringiest thing of the week? Let's hear it. Uh, this is actually not in the news video because uh, this came out like a day after. Amazon holds a breakaway esports match on active military ship. Why? Yo, Amazon is trying so hard to make uh, breakaway a thing. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be a thing. Amazon, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're trying too hard. Why? Why on the ship? Because like, it's extreme. <laughs> it's so cringe. Like, why, Amazon? Why? You know what's funny? They're actually giving away gift cards if you play this game. Like it's like something every hour, uh, somebody who's logged in randomly gets a fifty dollar Amazon gift card. So uh, I, if, you, if you guys want to make some money, leave it on just AFK into a wall, you know. It's just <laughs> the, the forced like the whole forced. I played it during that that first alpha, and I really didn't like it. I mean, maybe I'll give it another try after it gets more. Like, uh, there's no reason to play it now. I'm gonna wait till it gets you know closer to a real open beta rather than these uh, weekend alpha, weekend betas. I'll probably give it another try, but not until then, because you know my first alpha experience was kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, it was just people didn't know what they were doing. Uh, I'd just rather be playing any other game. Yeah, and I think you were kind of going somewhere with with this uh, video. Like, you can't make esports. You can't make your game yeah. an esport from the beginning, right? Your game has and, to be good. People will have to want to play it and beat other people at it, and you know then it becomes evolves into an esport. Mm-hmm. You can't like design it from the beginning with these guys. They holding... did. That, that's what they tried to do. Clearly, yeah. and like they're holding trophies, right, of a game that's like in pre-alpha development. Like they're, yeah, we won like this non-existent esports tournament. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it's it's really dumb. <laughs> I mean, chat said, "Give me Lunia AC or give me death." I'm waiting for the Lunia relaunch. That was a fun game too. Yeah. But, but uh, this actually, yeah, speaking of games, the other esport one, the other esport one, the WoW one, the WoW. That was pretty. That was pretty funny. Okay, so where World of Warcraft is having a hundred thousand uh, dollar esports tournament, right? Esports, baby. So I I thought this would be like arena or something, right? Mm-hmm. But it's actually I think it's that. PVE, right? It, it looks PVE based on what I read. 
so basically, I guess guilds do dungeons, and then if they do it well, uh, they they win the money. I, I guess people watch them do dungeons. There you it's go. It's a PVE esports uh, event. It looks like very odd. I mean, they do have arena like world championships for World of Warcraft and stuff like real PP events, but to call an esport of like PVE and who gets the best scores seems kind of odd because you know usually you're competing against like directly with another team, another group of players. Well. You know what it reminds me of? Like, you know, in the Olympics, they, the judges, they rate your performance at, like, the yeah. at the skiing or whatever. Well, not skiing. Mm-hmm. Ice skating, right? Ice skating. Mm-hmm. So, apparently, judges are going to rate the performance of these, of these you know, parties and how well they clear five dungeons. Oh, yeah, this technique was magnificent. They were all standing in a line when they when they AoE'd and spammed. You know, like, I don't... Did you see that three Night Elf healers? They had four backflips in a row at the end of the, at the, end of the dungeon. Such coordination. Such, such excellence. Yeah, so uh, I, I I gotta wait and see, but you know we'll see we'll see what it actually looks like. You know, like what what is that event? The the synchronized swimming, like they do all the cool shit in the pool, right? So like when you're when you're pulling dungeons, like the, when you're pulling a boss, like, the whole raid there's like synchronized like moving around. You like start marching, you start like doing all this cool shit like with the like, as if they're doing synchronized swimming, but as they're pulling a boss, and, like they go in circles, you know, like they make like letters, they spell stuff out, and then they get the rating at the end. You know, that'd be kind of cool. All right, we'll see. We'll see what this looks like. Uh, can't say I'm too excited for. I'd rather they just do the, the arena like they used to. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're, I'm sure they'll still still keep doing that, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I guess do something a little bit different. But when you think esports, you don't think PVE, which is why I thought this was a bit odd. Yep. We'll have to see how it looks. All right, I want to get to one more thing. Mm-hmm. Finally, Albion Online is launching finally this month, July seventeenth. Oh, baby, it's finally happening. That's like yes. one of the first big crowdfunded games that's going to happen. And the reason I want to mention this is, you know, Omar, we, we did a video for this, right? We played it together. Forever ago. I, we, I forgot even when at this point. Over a year now. Two years ago. No way. Two years. A, a little less than two. No, no, a little more than two years ago. That's crazy. I thought it was one year, like one, like a little more than a year is what I thought off the top of my head. And the crazy thing about this is these games, you can't be public for this long in, like, development. Mm-hmm. I, I think it does more damage than good. And one of the reasons why I, I give uh, uh, Wild West Online such a pass is because at least they announced it and it's going to come out the same year they announced it, right? Mm-hmm. But with Albion, you can't you know, you know can't be playable in this alpha limbo for two years. I really don't... I'm going to try it still, right? But, like, mm-hmm. I'm not hyped, right? The hype the hype was two years ago. It's not now. Yeah. Same. Actually, see again in our chat says, I have a legendary pack and I have no interest at all in the game. Yep. And... Luckily, I didn't play too much. I played during the video a bit after the video, but like I'm like, okay, like I don't want to burn myself out, so I'm actually don't want to play this until it's out. And it's been like two years, so I'm still kind of curious because I didn't really get it out of my system, you know. But I feel like if I did play it a shit ton, then I'd be totally burnt out by now. So I'm glad I didn't actually. So I still have some of that hype. Oh, this is funny. Someone else just said, uh, <laughs> "I play, you play, you played Albion uh, when I was in high school. Now I'm a second year university student." So like, the, like people are gonna grow old, have children. Uh, the children are gonna grow up and have kids before like some of these early access you know, games. Star, actually... Star Citizen, Star Citizen. <laughs> yeah, that process has been going for a long time. <laughs> it's crazy, and and it, this is not Albion. The, you know, is doing this only. There was a game, uh, Dungeon Defenders. Um, I love Dungeon Defenders. I played it with my friends, uh, well, my old high school friends, right? And then when number two came out or it was announced, I was excited. And I tried like the alpha literally again two years ago, and now it also officially uh, is coming out. 
uh, Dungeon Defender series is wrong. And here's the problem. I don't care about it anymore. Uh, it's been too long. It's lost the hype. It took too long. Can't do it. Uh, Hikumos, I don't think Elbion was in like... I mean, if you can't open beta, maybe. But like in my mind, open beta is released. Okay, so it's not the same thing. Because I don't think Allods was in closed beta for years. Because Allods is made by uh, the Allods team, the Russian company. Russians are on point with their with their MO development, all right? Elbion is just Ultima Online. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious Elbion is inspired by RuneScape and Ultima. And, and that's actually one of the reasons I'm kind of excited about it still. Yeah. And, and again, one more time about Dungeon Defenders too. When this game was in Alpha two years ago, my friends were excited to try it with me, right? Now, now that it's actually fully out, nobody wants to play with me, even though it's free. Because like, they lost that hype. You know, They played it, they tried it, they go, meh, not fun, next game. No, I, I agree. There, there's got to be like... The thing is, when you first announce a game, right? Like, I think announcing is fine, and you have a big delay. Like, for example, uh, Persona 5, when it was first announced, when it was playable, was was many years, right? You know, Final Fantasy 13, when it was announced, when it was released, many years. The problem is when you have, like, these playable alphas, right? Or many playable alphas. That's where people get burnt out. I don't think there's a huge issue with not releasing for years, right? But when you're play when you're a playable alpha, people get burnt out, and they play it. And, like, I'm thinking from, like, the console perspective. If I played, like, the first, like, five hours of Persona 5, three times in alpha, right? Like, by the time it released, I would never want to do that. I, w I would want to play the fourth time because I'd be so burnt out of that first five hours that, like, I wouldn't even care anymore. So uh, there's got to be a better balancing act with these development cycles, free-to-play, these MMOs. All right, I got, I got one more offender for you. Ready? Mm -hmm. Over a year ago, we played Orcs Must Die Unchained, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you know that game just came out? Like, like this month or... I only know about it because I covered it in the weekly news recap, right? But I was I was blown away that like it took this long from when we played it to when it actually came out. And what's crazy is like I played Orcs Must Die, the first one, right? Like a lot, and it was a great game. I had a lot of fun with it, and a lot of that fun stuff is in Orcs Must Die too. But like because I played it in alpha and in the beta phase, I'm like I, I have no interest in playing. It. Like had I not played it, Wait. I downloaded it again today, and we get like a fresh, more polished perspective. So I do think they're shooting themselves in the foot. If they if they do these you know, the super long release cycles that are playable. Uh, one more for you. One more for you. All right, ready? Tree of Life, a game we covered uh, during its development phase. Well, it was one of the first games we covered actually. And now uh, it's finally coming out next month, not this month. But it's got like twenty people on Steam right now because it's been for sale on early access for two years, and mm -hmm. it had ten thousand people on when it first came to early access. No way. When? 2015. At 10,000 back then? Holy crap. So it dropped from that to uh, to 20 people. And now it's actually <laughs> coming up. So the problem is, I don't think it's going to recover, right? It's I don't think an official launch is going to save it at this point. I mean, it's they're a big company. They could throw a lot of money at it. Because I've actually been seeing ads for Fortnite on MMOs.com. Oh, no, no, so I'm no, seeing no. the banner ads. Not Fortnite. I'm talking about Tree of uh, Life. Oh, tree, oh, 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 you're talking about Tree of Life. Okay, my bad. Yeah, Tree of Life had 10,000 people more. Did you know that? No, that's crazy. And, and what's what's funny is those people that play games like Tree of Life, games like Ark, games like Rust, they're typically very sticky players, you know? So if you launch a game that's, like, in a good state, I think a lot of those people will stick around for a long time. But when you, you know, after such a long cycle, a lot of those guys are never going to come back. And maybe it might have been better. For, I mean, they still got the sales, obviously, right? But I think in many cases, it's better to just, you know, not let people play something or maybe make a real alpha test, like an actual alpha where... Literally only like 10 people, like very few people can play and get feedback from them. Because I don't think you do any service by letting a thousand people play your alpha. Like 
most of those people never contribute anyway. Let's be real. Like, I've, I've participated in a lot of alphas and betas, right? I have never once sent feedback. Ever. Have you? Nope. Never. Why would I, right? It just seems kind of like, you know, I'm, it's open to everybody anyway most of the time. These are like exclusive betas. If they said, like, listen, you know, this is a very limited beta. For a chance to get in, you must fill out like all, they put a lot of hoops to get in. For example, if you remember the, I don't know if you applied, but the dark and light beta, right? In order to get into the dark and light beta, you had to freaking write an essay to get in, okay? Because they were, it was a real alpha. It wasn't meant for like thousands of people. They let like 20 people in, 30 people in, that's it. I didn't get in, but I, I filled out the entire form and it was actually pretty lengthy. Like, what, you know, tell us why you want to get in, talk about these things. They were open ended questions, all right? This is like, I'm applying for a job to get in. That's the way it should be if you want to get real feedback. If you want to let a thousand people in, you know, fine. You want to just sell out and make some money right away. That's fine. But it's going to be hard to keep the players in later. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. I, th- I remember not that long ago, it was actually uh, an ordeal. A-, a closed beta key, right? Met you were somebody really in the gaming like industry. Like, a- mm-hmm. They didn't just give out closed beta keys to everyone. Yeah. Times have changed. Oh, the good old days. And yeah, a lot of people in the comments uh, are talking about Fortnite. I know you mentioned it as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of bucked the trend. This game was sitting in, in that development hell for like years, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And now we're seeing a lot of ads for it. We're seeing a lot of hype for it. Do you think mm-hmm. it's going to do well after so many years in, in frozen limbo? I think it can because they can throw a lot of money at it. And it was, I, I don't know if it was ever like super open to lots of people the way uh, like uh, Tree of Life was. You know, I think a lot of people still never played it, like ever. Period. Yeah, well, I didn't. I know that. Right, I didn't either, and it was always kind of cool for me too. So I think that is that is that is hope. All right. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, if you just Somebody search, said alpha and beta testers should be paid as well. I think actually you can get a lot of value out of paid testers. I think just doing an online random like people to test your game, it, it's cheap obviously, but you get like no feedback, right? Like you need. I think it's way better to have like ten people that are actually there to test out the game, give you real feedback, than just opening up to everyone. Because most people are just not going to give any feedback. I think I think there's a lot of benefit for that. Oh yeah, I think Fortnite will do well on consoles. I know they're releasing on um, mm-hmm. Xbox and PlayStation. I think they'll do well there. Mm-hmm. I wish you mentioned Moo Legends actually open beta starting soon. That one's actually happening too. And this is like one of the only like isometric uh, Path of Exile, Diablo three style MMORPGs that's actually an MMORPG. You know, you have this huge persistent world. You know. Yeah, we played this uh, a few times. I'm kind of sad that we didn't get the open beta at the same time as Korea. Like, I think initially they were kind of hoping for a global launch. That yeah. didn't happen. Um, but I think this will do a lot better than uh, many other games that came out recently. But what's weird is what they said. Because I'm reading the press release when they first said... They're aiming for an open beta in September, right? Which is unfortunate because they first said they want to do it in summer. So it's pretty sure September is not in summer, right? Like, summer ends in August? Summer ends in August, yes. Okay, so September's not sounds about right. Okay, so uh, the game went to open beta in South Korea in March, and open beta in in America is going to be in September. And they said it was a polish up the game. There's there's no way they're they're localizing. They can't be at this point. You're not polishing. It's the same game that launched in South Korea, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't say it's a polish up the game. It just seemed like a silly excuse, right? Yeah, yeah. It it makes sense if it never launched yet, but you can't. I don't think you they shouldn't they shouldn't be saying they're polishing it up. If oh, it's already out. Summer ends in September, the twenty first. Okay, there we go. I'm retarded. Summer end. So I guess I guess they're gonna. You know what? I feel like in my mind it's the hot months, right? And September is like, it gets a little chilly. I'm gonna Google this. I'm not sure about the end of. You're not buying summer, it. You're not buying September. This? You know what? I think he's right. When does summer really yeah, yeah. end? Dictionary.com. No. 
You know what's funny? I never thought I'd be searching when the summer end. I Google. Yeah, it actually ended on Friday, September 22nd. So, so is Moo, so, does Moo make the cut? It may, well, yeah. They said sometime in September, so they're going to make the cut. All right, see? Never doubt the Koreans. Never doubt the Koreans. Pretty crazy. I didn't know when summer ended, but in my defense, most people didn't correct me either. Just one guy did, so. Good on him. I don't have a as I said, I don't have a specifically a guilty pleasure in Mo. It's like I need a shitty Korean grinder now. Actually, Hiku Mo's. Uh, I actually played MapleStory this last week as well, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. I've been playing a reboot server. There's a new um, burning event lets you love you know level three times instead of once every time you level up. So I've been playing that. I'm level 111 right now on my character, and it's it's a lot of fun. Whether it's for me, whether it's MapleStory, Asta, or some random Korean grinder, it, it is fun. I think to play a random shitty game. You know, I know when we did our uh, Grindfest video for uh, for Hero Online, right? I, I knew it was a duker, but, like, my, my brother and I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, I can't speak for the, the, the Matt and Sean that played with us at the time. I doubt they had as much fun as we did, but I, I enjoy playing, like, some Korean grinders sometimes. That's a bit of a guilty pleasure for mine as well. Like, and it's got to be, like, a bad one, you know? It can't be, like, a like a well-regarded game. I got I got to play the shit of the shit, and it just feels good. It's like your reality TV, like your your garbage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People watch your reality TV, like just garbage TV. For me, it's I gotta pull up the shittiest game and I gotta play it, like the old game. And and like there are a lot of the old like good games. I'm talking like the shit of the shit, like like really obscure games. Some like some of them are just fun. Let's go on, go on Steam and pull up on the random free to play games and check it out. I'm actually yeah. The fact that you're mentioning this while we're playing this Moon Legend trailer in the back is uh. It's pretty good uh, because I think Moo Legend is a great fit for what you're describing. It's just like a decent, mediocre Korean grinder that we're gonna play just so we you know we got something running in the background. Yes, because I don't think Moo Legend is gonna change the the MO landscape at all, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty fun, but I don't think that's gonna be like a real game changer. And, and that would be a little higher standard than I said when I'm talking about pure shit. I'm talking like Legend of Ares shit, like these these games that are brought back to life by. Uh, these obscure companies. Now, you want you want some shit games? You go to supergames.com. You know, if you ever in the mood for some shit games, Super Games boys, they will not let you down. There it is. Drop the link over there. Play some Divine Souls, all right? Play some of that Luna Online. Get the get some of that Lucent Heart going, all right? You, you, you play these, all right? These are these are some quality quality shit games. I love it. Ace Online, guys. That's the one I recommend here. <laughs> Speaking of shit games, uh. That's a fun story, guys. I love covering these my games from my childhood. So, looks like the Chinese now own Neopets. Who here played Neopets as a kid? I know I did. And uh, they're being bought out by NetDragon. Uh, this is a Chinese company behind a lot of shitty MRPGs, like Omar was saying. If shitty if shitty Korean games aren't shitty enough for you, go play NetDragon games. Edmund, Conquer Online. You know, these were... I always thought these were the bottom of the barrel, even like 10 years ago. But uh, Omar, I know you liked. Um, you you kind of had some fun with these. Conquer Online and Edmunds, I played both. I thought I actually liked Edmunds more, but Conquer Online is way more popular. And uh, yeah, these were I think these would fall into the example of shit games. But like these were games. These are really popular though. I think I think both Conquer and Edmunds were existed in this weird period where like if you were free to play, it was instantly like getting you a huge player base, right? Because like this was still kind of new. So I know a lot of people played the shit out of Conquer. They're gonna they're gonna be like, you can't say it's a bad game. It's fucking amazing. Like, oh, this was the game. A bad like, game. This was the game where if you got banned, you could pay thirty dollars to unban yourself. Like <laughs> it was on their official website. Like you give us thirty dollars, we'll unban you, right? The second time, it's like eighty. The third time, you email us and we'll discuss. Okay, what what the price you got? They, they blackmail black, black you good then. Yeah, exactly. They ban you and they got paid to get unbanned. But like 
on that same page, we they said we take cheaters, uh, ban, uh, cheating very seriously, seriously in our game. So we won't ban the cheaters. But then, like right underneath that is like, if you get banned for cheating, well, banning's passed. Like you know, that's pretty pretty funny. That was a thing. But I think both games are shitty, and but they're, they're kind of fun too. There was zero online as well. Basically, same game as Conquer and Edmonds, but with like a mech theme to it. I played that as well for a while. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. They haven't really announced any plans to do anything with Neopets. But uh, I'm hoping they kind of put new blood into it because uh, Neopets was a really good game. And, it, and surprisingly, the kind of browser meta economy style MMO that Neopets provided really hasn't been matched since. There's been nothing like Neopets um, since Neopets. So uh, something like that on, on either mobile or, or another browser game would be really appreciated by by me. They have, um, I mean, they're going to... the. the the company that bought them again is another Chinese company. We've seen a lot of these Chinese companies uh, like um, really expand in, in America. Again, we've seen RuneScape got bought out by a Chinese company. We've had uh, you know Ark Survival evolved to get bought out by a Chinese company. All these American companies are getting bought out, and this just continues that trend we've seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like Warframe, arguably the most successful free to play, one of the most successful free to play games on Steam that's not Valve owned is, is you know is owned by the Chinese as well. So this trend I think is going to keep on continuing. You know, all these all these Chinese companies are going to buy the big Western games. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about, or do you want to move to the pre-game, uh, post-game? I think I think it's post-game time, boys. All right. There we go. Thanks for watching, guys. We're back now, and we'll be here on Friday for Grindfest. Mm-hmm. So keep up for that. Thank you so much for watching. Later, YouTube.